You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. We're talking about these people as if they're consumables, not as if they're real people. Like they're just something to be consumed. Black people come in a variation of colors. And I feel like y'all just keep leaning on this, these two descriptions, this cafe au lait and chocolate description. Like there's only two versions of being black, like light skin and dark skin. When we come in every color on the spectrum. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here, where you're challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So I had a Instagram post that I came across a few months ago. Don't always Instagram, but when I do, I like when I find things that are really, you know, interesting and really thought-provoking. And I'd come across a post by uh, Britt Hawthorne, and it was about a book called The Color of Us. And she was talking about why she stopped reading it. And there were a number of things that were addressed in this post. It's a very interesting read, and it'll be linked in the show notes. So I highly suggest you uh, take a look um, and check it out. But it really was something that kind of struck me because it was talking about the way that food comparisons were commonly used to describe brown skin tones um, for humans. And in reading that, it really made me think about how, you know, number one, there's a lot of things in there that Britt does go into that I think are, are really important to keep in mind. But I also think that you know, it really does address a bigger conversation of how are we referring to people? Um, are are these words that they want to be utilized in reference to them? And how does it feel to be talked about as if you were a commodity? So I really felt like this is a much bigger conversation, but it really also kind of struck me that this happens often in books and in the literary world. And so I thought about uh, my guest that I've had here previously, my friend Tasha O'Harrison, who is a romance author, and how I really wanted to get her take on how this showed up and how there are way too many problematic isms and word choices that are showing up in writing and how it's not helpful, but how it really conditions you to take this out into the world with you. So talk about a lot of things in this conversation, and I want you to be able to 
pick up what we're putting down. So time for you to go ahead and get into it. It is always kind of interesting to me to think about somebody that professionally I very much respect and personally am fortunate enough to call a friend that this person writes some filthy stuff and I absolutely (laughs) am here for all of it. I love it. (laughs) So I'm excited yet again to bring back Tasha L. Harrison to the show, who is a purveyor of filthy fiction and the creator of the Word Makers Writing Community and the 20K in Five Days Writing Challenge. Welcome back, Tasha. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. So full transparency to everybody listening, this came up because I found this stuff online and I was like, wait, I need to talk to Tasha about this because (laughs) I noticed some articles and it, it were multiple articles and they were acknowledging how there needs to be more creativity and acknowledgement brought into the conversation of how we are addressing Black people and people of color as a whole. And we need to stop referring to people in their skin tones and complexions in reference to food. Mm -hmm. And the first thought I had was, oh, well, that does feel kind of lazy if we think about it in just the simplistic way of like, why do I have to be coffee or why do I have to be caramel? Makes me think of a um, Raekwon song. song. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you know the purple tape, you know where I'm going here, ice cream. <laughs> yes. and so, you know, when you think about it, it's like, oh, but then you go deeper and you're like, wait, we are actually categorizing people based on goods that they were traded and sold for and or the goods that they literally had to crop in order for other people to keep them as enslaved individuals while the masters made their money off of them. So Mm. I was like, there's a lot of problems with just the roots of this. And to realize how often this shows up in just how children learn about each other's skin tones, how as adults we talk about each other. And then to realize that the romance industry is one that I didn't realize that this was such a huge thing. So Uh, I'll kind of ask you to give a little bit of your insight around how this just problematic isms in all of its forms really is showing up with romance. So I, I think one of the first things that came up was obviously the literal, like, I'm going to talk about you in the forms of food. And so can you give a little bit of insight in, you know, kind of how that happens and where some of the problems are that you've witnessed, because I don't even know that I'm fully doing it justice, because I think when we think about how people are described in reference to um, romance novels and anything that involves making someone seem enticing or inviting, there can be some problems popping up with that. I think it's like I said before, it's like it's multi-layered. There's there's two isms at play in here, sexism and racism, right? What primarily happens with romance and how, and I'm going to be 100% honest, it's most likely a a white author who is describing a a Black character or a a character of color in this way. Mm -hmm. Um, At some point, it got very strange for white people to just say Black. Uh, It happened in the 90s. Someone said that it was Jesse Jackson's fault. I'm not entirely sure, but I feel comfortable blaming him. Um, Where... (laughs) where all of a sudden we were no longer black, we were African-Americans and like all of us had to, you know, go with that hyphenated 
uh, version of being an American when Black was was enough. Right. And I've read a lot of um, white authors or, or white women who write romance that are around my age They and talk about how they were um, told to talk about and to or address Black people. They were told to no longer use Black, that African-American was how you were to be addressed and that it didn't matter if Black people wanted to be called Black. So they just associated Black with a bad word. Like Black just became as bad as the N-word to them. And then, you know, when you start talking about, you know, how do you describe someone, and like you said, to make them sound enticing or attractive or whatever, it always starts with making them food, coffee color complexion, caramel complexion, chocolate skin, you know, that sort of thing. And where the sexism comes in, it's usually we talk about women that way in those the white women are talked about in that way in romance, you know, like vanilla skin or creamy skin or whatever, just to make it sound very enticing. But uh, for black women, everybody does it. And no one really right. thought it was there was anything wrong with it. But to me, it always seems like we're talking about these people as if they're consumables, not as if they're real people. Like they're just something to be consumed. So it's like, oh, chocolate confection or chocolate skin, that sort of thing. And it just started to feel icky. And a lot of people were making noise about it. It was like, why can't we just use it? First of all, it's lazy writing, number one, because you have all these adjectives and words to describe things and you just go with chocolate because somebody else said chocolate. And I'm going to make you come back to that because I do want to talk about how I think there's a lot of laziness as a whole when mm-hmm. it comes to um, how you describe or categorize Black people or how we're, we're cared for. And, and addressed. Yes. So that's yes. a, that's the piece that I want to come back to, but please continue. But yeah, so that, you know, when people started pushing back against that, it was like, you know, Black people come in a variation of colors. And I feel like y'all just keep leaning on this, these two descriptions, this cafe au lait and, and chocolate description. Like there's only two versions of being Black, like light skin and dark skin. When we come in every, you know, color on the spectrum. And then we started pushing back against it. And, um, you know, some there's a lot of black people who said there's nothing wrong with it. I'm like, okay, well, you feel fine about it. That's that's on you, sis. I don't. I'm gonna be a little bit more creative in it. Right. Well, because the other thing that came up for me when you th- were describing that is, I don't like the fact that, like, when you use the word consumables, the fact that if you are referencing us in in being consumables, there was a point to where we didn't have any say in whether or not somebody chose to consume us. Right. We were, we were ripe for the, the taking of anyone at any time. And so it kind of, for whatever reason, really just brings up for me that thought of like, so if I'm a consumable, does that mean that I have no say in who consumes me? Does that mean that you can just have, have at it because you felt like it today? Because there was a time that that was a thing and and it still happens. Obviously it's not exactly the same, but in some cases it absolutely is. Definitely. And then there was that thing where um, I remember very vividly when I first started reading romance, because there was really only white romance that was easily accessible. Like if you go to the grocery store, you look in the, you know, the, the paperback section and the mass market paperback section is majority white romance, mostly historical. And, you know, for the longest time, cause I started reading these books before I was supposed to, um, <laughs> you know, for the longest time, I thought, you know, like everybody had pink nipples, you know, like very oh. simply, it's like her pink nipples, her rosy nipples. And I'm looking at my nipples. I'm like, mm. <laughs> <Not where laughs> like, <we're> going. <laughs> it's 
like, wait a minute. Um, we don't have the same. It's like, does, is, does everyone have pink nipples? Am I just a weirdo? And and these are things that were like for years, people even black and brown people said this, like the first time they picked up a, a romance with a person of color and, and read like brown nipples. We were like, oh my God, other people do have brown nipples. You know what I mean? Right. So like it, it's, it's very... It's one of those things is when you start to think about uh, how these descriptions are fed into our minds over and over and over in a way that makes it seem like anything that's outside of that, this is media, outside of that is not attractive or unusual and kind of comparing everything that every shade of black to, to food is the same thing, you know, like we just, we have no other descriptive parts of us, no, no. And that's the other thing. Like, there's really no talk about, you know, like brown eyes. Brown eyes are very rare. We were just having a long conversation about that on Twitter the other day. It was like, wait, even, brown even, eyes are yeah. rare? Yes. In romances, <laughs> people very rarely write brown eyes. And even people, oh, even God. black romance authors, they, there's this, there's the colorism thing that comes in. That's the third ism. Mm. The colorism comes in where they're writing, especially when they're writing um, black male, like heroes. They're they're writing light skin heroes with green eyes, with blue eyes, you know, which is which happens, but it's not so common, and it's not even that common in white people for them to have blue eyes or green eyes, right? But it's it's one of those things that every time you pick up a romance book, somebody got blue eyes, somebody got green eyes. Very few people have brown eyes. These are just mm. normal, common ways to describe people. Like, what color your eyes? Your eyes are brown. What color is your hair? Your hair is brown. And most people have brown eyes and brown hair, but that's not what is in romance novels. And when it comes to black people, it gets even more very stereotypical. You know, it feels like there's this like, um, what's I can't think of the wording of it, but like where you want to pick the most exotic version of somebody. Mm -hmm. And this is what everybody is. It's a fetishization. Thank you. Jesus, I can't say it. That word. (laughs) When you fetish something, when you got a fetish for people. (laughs) Yes. But but it's definitely that. It's like, you know, if they're going to have a black girl in, if a white person is writing a black heroine in their romance novel, they're going to pick someone who's light skin has, has curly hair, but not too tight, not too nappy, probably has light Brown or green or, or blue eyes or something unusual. They might even be mixed. They, they actually do prefer to write a mixed heroine. So like the, the, the average black woman, which I mean, ain't none of us average. Let's be real. Uh -uh. Um, (laughs) Because black women, um, (laughs) pretty much (laughs) and you fill in the blank but you know there's there's very little discussion of you know like what the average beautiful black woman looks like there's definitely a lot of fetishization jesus i cannot say that word today (laughs) fetishizing yes (laughs) it's a lot of fetishizing going on with how they are written how they're depicted who gets to be on uh the cover of a romance novel like what's your all of it all right. of it is very very stereotypical of what is what meets the approval of uh mainstream media which is you know baked in white supremacy right and that's where i felt like this was so important because it's obviously fully permeating the romance community but this shows up you know 
on a dating site. It shows up if you're describing somebody, um, you know, that you met and you're trying to just be like, oh my gosh, their skin was so beautiful. It was like this amazing shade of caramel. And you're like, eh, wait, here we go with the food again. Mm-hmm. And being that image descriptions is is something that a lot of us are, are, we're owning that it needs to happen because there are people that are taking in our content that cannot taken this image in the way that we created it to be taken in. And so we're now creating from a lens of trying to be a little more mindful of that as best as, as we can, knowing that we don't have um, that same disability and we don't want to assume, but in creating, you know, image captions, I'm noticing that it's showing up there because it's Mm -hmm. trying to describe this in a way so that, okay, I want this person to understand this. And I'm like, but you know, why is it that we've hit this point that this is the norm? And I do think that that is a part of the lazy writing that you mentioned before that I wanted to come back to, because I think it's not just lazy writing in, in the books, but I think as a whole, people are given the lowest possible hanging fruit mm-hmm. for how to describe skin tones that are not white. And this is the other thing too, like you were talking about like how, like you're, I'm assuming how people describe what, what is happening in the picture for people who can't see it. Correct. Um, I think that too, they, they go out of their way to give like these really creative descriptions when you can just say woman with light brown skin, black woman with light brown skin and right. this color hair, like keep it simple. You don't have to be like this caramel complected curly haired, you know what I mean? Like, Right. Please stop. Like it, you don't need. To, <laughs> yes. This is this is not a creative writing assignment. You can absolutely Thanks. just say this is a black woman who has light skin with that is this color brown. Blah blah blah. And I think a lot of people just get like I said, they get hung up on the whole like they don't want to say black because they think it's a bad word. Which I wish I don't know who did that. If it was Jesse, he needs to be. Jesse can do that. Jesse, Jesse, why? Um, but I like, I, I, and I, whenever I tell people this and they, they have such a weird reaction to it. I'm like, you can just say black. I'm like, if you mean black, you can say black. It's just like saying, right. uh, BIPOC when you mean black. I'm like, you, you don't really mean black indigenous people of color. You mean just black people, right? So you can just say black people. If you mean indigenous people, you can say indigenous people. You don't have to say the whole acronym every time. It's right. not like a pimp name, name slick back. You can just say it. <laughs> you know, you got to say the whole thing every time. Okay. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> like you really can just yes. say black. You can really yes. just say what you mean. And as far as like writing descriptions for like photos and stuff like that, I think even just saying that it's a black person is enough. You don't even really have to go into detailed descriptions. People get themselves in trouble when they start trying to be really creative and inventive. If that's not your job, friend, don't do it. You know? Well, and I do, you know, appreciate the insight from you because the reality is, is that you essentially create long books of image descriptions all the time. And so understanding what goes into creating a uh, mental visual. Mm -hmm. And I do think that people likely are overthinking it because they're afraid to get it wrong. And so they do too much. And it's like, you, you could have dialed that back like four lines ago. Yeah. And because half the time when they do too much, I read those captions. I'm like cringing, I'm like, Ooh, baby, no. 
Right. Like you didn't have to do all that. I mean, but you, you were about to fall into the same category because you started researching like, well, if I can't say caramel and chocolate, what can I say? And here you go Googling and you get more information than you need. You know what I mean? Right. Well, <laughs> and, you- and see, and I'll be honest, when I Googled it, I was like, wait, because when I, I think one of the first things that I read, um, I appreciated that it was being brought up by somebody, um, and I have to I have to find the original one so I can give credit. But they were talking about how people were describing mixed race kids. Mm, yeah. And so there is this like, OK, now we have to also other you in that way and how it and, and they were like, it is lazy. Can't we need to do better? We got a whole English language at our disposal. And this is all we have is commodities that are food. To describe yep. people, this all is all we words. have, all and so, words. and so with that, I was like, "Yeah, that that in itself is a problem." And why do you think it is that you know people are not willing to use all of the words that they have at their disposal that would apply if you wanted to use a different word other than just light brown, brown? black, any of these things, why do you think that they feel like I have to now find the most exotic food that I can versus using the diaspora of words that we have that is for the word brown alone? <laughs> yes. Uh, why? Um, hmm. I think a lot of people too just don't want to seem like they're doing it wrong. And right. for when it comes to describing the skin color of people of color, they want to depict it in a way they feel is positive, right? So what could be more positive than some delicious food? They're not taking mm-hmm. into consideration that, you know, you've made this whole person into a chocolate bar. <laughs> like the, this this right. this person has lots of other things that you could be describing about their their actual how they actually look that has nothing to do with their skin color. And you just went straight to black woman, chocolate woman. And Mm -hmm. like, well, what does her hair look like? What does her, what her eyes look like? You know, does she have a dull complexion? Good complexion. Is her skin dry? Like, like what, (laughs) what else is going on here? Look at the picture and get some real descriptions because just the skin color is not enough. And I think like a lot of times in, uh, especially in romance, they, they won't describe the white characters nearly as in as much detail as they describe the black character. Like it's always like a contrast of the color against the the white characters. Like, oh, her chocolate brown skin and ne- next to his such and such. I'm like, mm, I was this is ready weird. To ask you that next. That was going to be because <laughs> I'm like, I don't feel like it's evenly dispersed as far as the way people are described. No, it's not. I feel well. This goes back to the whole thing where if you're not describing the characters, that white is default. If you don't say this is a black character, this is an indigenous character, this is a Latinx character, the reader just assumes that they're white because that's majority of the media that we consume is white. So a lot of people lean on, okay, well, I know this character isn't white. So now I'm just going to describe this character, this character that's not white. The only character that's not white in this book, I'm going to describe every single thing about this character and nothing about the white characters at all. And um, I have a, a romance writing friend that always, like she even gets us to like with like how we're, like we do our little Twitter you know, pitches for our books. She mm-hmm. was like, if you're writing interracial romance, why are you only saying black heroine? and not saying white hero. Like if you're writing black woman, white man, why aren't you telling that people that the hero is white? That's just as important as saying that the heroine is black. 
And I was like, oh, girl, you write. Or like if you're writing um, a, a Latinx uh, couple, I'm like, well, you still need to, are both of those white Latinos? Right. Well, that's a whole other question because there's no, not enough discussion around the fact of like, you can, you could still fall into the white or black and still be Latinx. Girl, like that's not, is, that's not that, like, a, Latin is not just, here we go. We just all here. That's not yeah, how it's it like Latin, People think Latinx is a, a race. It is not a race. No. Okay. Not. Let's start not. there. <laughs> it was like race is black, white, and everything in between. It was like mestizo, black, or white. You can be all three of those things and still be Puerto Rican. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, and, and I think it, people have the hardest time with that because they just assume that people from the islands are just one thing. Like, I'm like, well, why would you assume that when people in the United States are not just one thing? But that, right. it trips up people all the time. So I feel like people are very specific, especially in the literary world, just to point out like, oh, we have th- this black heroine. This has a black heroine. This has a black kid. That's the the main character. I'm like, well, what about the other characters? Are they white? Are they Asian? What are they? You know, mm-hmm. and I, it's almost kind of like an or- overcorrection, you know? Like, yes. Yes. So, and, th- and then all the creepy, weird descriptions come into play after that. People think they know what to expect, but they have no idea. They haven't met you yet. Bi-weekly, India Jackson, co-founder of Pause on the Play, has conversations exploring branding, visibility, and identity. Talking about identity today here. Let's own your values and amplify your influence by giving the Flaunt Your Fire podcast a follow today. Pause on the Play the Community is an opportunity for you to come in with other individuals like you that are seeking to be a part of the change that they want to see. It's an opportunity to have conversations for you to reconsider your normal and dig deeper in order to uncover and unlearn problematic conditioning. It's also a place where you can share and amplify people, brands, and opportunities in order to support and not separate. So today you can join by coming on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community be a part today. Where does it then go even more wrong when you have the sexist piece come in? Because you just acknowledge that they're not, you know, they're saying, oh, here's a black person or here's an Asian person or here's a, you know, Latinx person, but they don't acknowledge if there's a white person, but then there's even less acknowledging of um, anything around men versus this over descripting of women yes the woman is always described in great detail in great detail that doesn't matter who's writing it it's it's and uh, i'm gonna say this and i'm probably gonna get dragged for filth i don't think romance readers or writers like women well so I, I, want, <laughs> I need you to keep going because I do I do want to know why. But I also then I'm going to ask, but what happens if someone is non-binary? Does that even fall anywhere at this point? It does. It does. Okay. And I think that non-binary authors are doing it way better. Mm. They're doing it way better. Non-binary authors are describing everything and everything you you need to know and none of this stuff that you think that you're going to read in the book. Like you think that you're going to read a, a, a romance about a trans character and you're going to be hearing about like all of their intimate body 
you know, uh, image stuff. You know what I mean? It's not like that. It's not like that, which I find very refreshing because a lot of people will be like, oh, I want to, I don't want to read a gay romance because I don't want to be reading all the details about people have all kind of hangups, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. So but when I, when I say that I think that romance readers and writers don't like women, right? they are 100% harder on um, uh, char- female characters in the book. The male character can be a complete disgusting waste. And he he can be redeemed. Female characters have to be perfect and they have to be supportive if they do anything that they feel is like, oh, well, this is not this is not something that I would do as a romance uh, heroine. I'm like, well, you know, this is fantasy. You guys, you do realize realize that Mm, that's start there. (laughs) But like they if you read any reviews on the unlikable heroine is a huge thing, like if she's just a little bit bitchy if she will abandon her, you know, all ideals of like starting a family to be a businesswoman or anything like that. Like the girl boss thing really doesn't work all the way through a romance because at some point they're going to be like, okay, so when does the man fit in? Like she can't keep doing this. Mm. And the way that they, the way that they say, well, I don't identify with this heroine because she's too promiscuous. I'm just kind of like, but these people exist, you know, like. See, okay. And so this is where I'm going to say. <laughs> this might I mean, be a perfect un- example. Perfect example is Eve Santiago from uh, The Lust Diaries. She right. is very much a, uh, she is a character that people love or hate. There right. is no in between. I, I think about the fact that a lot of my like, I'll call them formative years, teenage, early, <laughs> early to mid twenties. I had the benefit of not having Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I did not have the Facebook to, you know. Nobody knows about my dirt unless no. I tell them about my dirt. And so I struggle when I hear people that will then judge a character and say things like, oh, they're too promiscuous or they're this or they're that. And I'm like, so are we pulling out numbers and comparing them because I'm it's not like, quite sure where we're going. <laughs> yeah. It's like, or just the, there's this, this idea that, you know, like the, um, the hero can have like discretions outside of the relationship. Like if the, if the book starts right. with the hero with a, another, um, with another woman, that's perfectly okay. He can't be with another woman after he meets the heroine, but if he starts off the book with another woman, that is, they're just like, oh, that's fine. You know, the heroine can, can re- redeem him. But if it's uh, a heroine that starts off with another man at the beginning of a book. Like, no, we we, we yeah. can't do that. And I don't, I don't like that there's too often, you know, this, this kind of conversation of what a woman can and cannot do or what someone that identifies um, as more feminine can or cannot do when someone that's more, mm-hmm. oh, you can just kind of do whatever you want. And. There's like, like this assumption. It's kind of the same thing with, you know, uh, like describing the, the the woman in detail. Like there's this, this assumption that uh, the woman is there to be consumed, to be taken, to be, right. uh, you know, what is the word? Uh, sub- submit, make, forced to submit Correct. to this man in this story, in the narrative and in how they're described. It's like, oh, okay, you are mine to consume. I can have you. Same way for a, a romance, the 
they, they, they assume the same thing. It's like, if this woman is wild at the beginning of this book, you need to prove to me that she is, you know, worthy of this hero. I'm like, but he trashed too. So right, like, <laughs> like, why does he get to be trashed and she needs to clean up her act? I don't understand this. No. So, and, and that's just the sexism at its worst. Just yes. showing up and doing what it does as, as a, as a system and another extension of, of white supremacy. And yeah, I mean, I actually, I have to ask the question that I kind of might know the answer to, but if that really was able to be pulled out and restructured, would romance still exist as, as a book format anymore? Uh, absolutely. Because that's the kind of romance that I write. Um, right. That uh, I think, and I also think that um, there's a distinct difference between uh, what, uh, self-published romance authors are writing and what mainstream romance authors are writing. There's there's a very specific something that uh, traditional publishers want from a romance. And it's, you know, it's pretty cookie cutter. They want, they want something that could, you know, if you stripped a sex out, could be on the Hallmark Channel for, you know, holiday romance movie. Very rom-com. Very rom-com. You know, the girl can be funny, but she can't be sexy. If she's sexy, she has to be demeaned for being sexy or promiscuous. Like she just can't be a woman who is showing up on the page as her whole self. You know what I mean? Like she has to no. show up in service of the hero. It, it makes me think of like, and I, I didn't read the book and I saw parts of the movies and it was not my favorite, but it just feels like a, a description of this, but something borrowed how it was mm. like, here's essentially like, here's this one prototype of a woman. And of course, brown hair, brown eyes. Here's another prototype blonde a little more sexy and it's just like but yes the one that's that's blonde is more flawed the one that's got the, you know that's a brunette oh you know you're, she's you're more, more mousy she's, you're, she's more yes. kind and she's and, the more ideal heroine versus like you know cameron diaz's character was i mean she was more interesting <laughs> and, and, it, and it's like wait so how do you hit this point of like you it, it, essentially what it feels like to me is you're taking what you in your head have is this ideal feminine arc archetype and you're splitting mm-hmm. it into the best and the worst cases. Yes. And that's kind of how you're doing it. Everything is black and white. Everything <sighs> is black and white. Everything is love and hate. And and ever since, you know, social media became like a real big thing, how we consume and critique these things is very much black and white too. Like I miss the days of like early Twitter when we would all be reading a book and we would sit on Twitter and talk about the things that we loved about the book and the things that we hated about the book, the things that could have been done better. And everybody walked away and was like, oh, that was really great. You know, like I had a really in-depth discussion about uh, a romance novel, which I think that the 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 genre needs. I think that there's so much dialogue around uh, romance authors feeling, you know, like, you know, oppressed and disrespected and all this is like, whenever you see anything happening around the romance world, it's about how we are the literal redhead stepchild of of the literary world. And I think a lot of what, a lot of what we do to each other plays into that narrative. Like people will be like, okay, well, you know, this particular story, which is dark romance did da, 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 da. And then all the mainstream romance writers were like, that's not a romance. They're like, but they lived happily ever after at the end. It may have been dysfunctional and toxic, but they was together. You know, like there's always like this whole narrative about what really is 
what really is a romance and what really is a heroine and how we can depict these heroines and uh, no real talk about heroes unless they're book boyfriends. And, and that's how I, I write my heroes is literal props for the heroine. Like she is just there for her. He's there for her to work her issues out against. That's it. <laughs> like he, he may be, he may be a book boyfriend material to y'all. It was like, I gave him three flaws and that's it. Y'all think that he is so nuanced. He's really not. But I love heroines. I focus on my heroines and make them messy and make them go through a journey more than I do with the heroes. And some people who who read more traditional published romances, they have things to say about that. I was like, we don't really know anything about the hero. I'm like, why do we need to? Why do we care? (laughs) There's that. And so, (laughs) of course, I have to ask the obvious question, which is, you know, you do have strong opinions and you are outspoken about this, which does need to happen. And so, you know, why is it that you're like, I'm going to be outspoken about my thoughts and feelings and takeaways about Romance Landia, aka, you know, romance writing community? Um, especially because as a black female author, like you are in the minority there. So like Well, that's what- primarily it. Um mm. when I first when I first was trying I was when I first started writing romance, I was looking for a traditionally published deal. And this was in two thousand nine. And um, like the process was, it was way more racist than it is now. Let me just say that. Like you would get literal uh, responses to your 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 pitches that said, oh, we already have a black author. We already have an author. Yeah, th- like the one black author. We already have some books like this. And then you go and look at their, their catalog and it's like, yeah, you got a black romance author writing inspirational romance. I, I don't write that. <laughs> like you can like well, we already got our black we did it we got our black quota for today so we can we can't we can't take you on or like the famous thing was like i really didn't connect with the character which is one of the things that white people say when they they feel like oh well this is a black story this is black experiences so i'm never going to be able to find anything in common with them and they come to the page with all of that you know, that baggage already there. So anything that's happening on the page, they're not going to read any commonality between what they've seen in other romance novels in a black romance novel. So like doing through that whole process and having, getting those rejections and feeling like, you know, this feels a little racist, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like it's like, this was a little racist. I don't know. And, you know, everything was done like a whisper network back then. So I had to get to know other Black romance authors to realize that they were experiencing the same things. Like even ones that have been published for a long time, they were still like whenever they pitch a book, it's like, oh, nah, we already got something kind of like that from a a white romance author. I'm like, but this is not even the same story at all. I don't know what you're talking about. So I am one of those people I can't keep quiet about stuff like that. Like I'm not going to keep run into the DMs or being in some private Facebook group talking about things that are happening in a wider publishing platform. Like I was like, y'all, we got to be start being noisy about this. And, you know, I kind of got a reputation. Like people would just be like, oh, I read this thing about this editor. I read this thing about this traditional publisher and this sort of thing. And I, you know, I kind of became the pit bull for a while because I wasn't, and I'm still not afraid to say anything, but I do recognize that, um, at the course of the low these many years I've been in this community, <laughs> that it did it did hinder my progress a lot because there are people who don't want to work with me. There are people who you know my emails going un- unanswered because they know that if they fuck up, I'm gonna come for them. And I don't. And that right. goes for anybody. Like I will do. Like even with some of my um, podcasters that I'm good friends with, and I'm like, girl, if 
I don't care if you're black or white. If you're my friend, I'm not going to let you be out here, you know, showing your slip and and not right. tell you. And right. a lot of people take that in, in a different way. Like, hey, you know, just want to give you a heads up. This little this or that thing that you said, yeah, those are a little racist. And, and people get upset about that. So, you know. When you have, when you form a reputation, like whenever someone's on Twitter saying, oh, well, you're so well-known and so well-liked, I'm like, well-liked. <laughs> no, yes, liked. <laughs> <laughs> you might be, but you like me, but that doesn't mean that everyone else does, sweetie. Um, well, and you know what? It ain't for everybody. So that's Yeah, and I don't need to be liked by everybody. I'm, I'm not your cup of tea. I'm a, I'm, I'm a shot of whiskey. It's not for everyone. that's right. I know that's right. That. That. Yeah. So I think that being vocal about diversity has always been my thing because part of the reason why I started writing romance was because I wanted to see more romance with not just black people, but with diverse casts. Like you can write a whole romance where ain't no white people in there at all because this right. happens. White people do it all the time. Yep. Well, <laughs> but, I mean, and ahead. I can't help but to go back to what you said in the beginning and that if you have somebody that isn't having dialogue about their bodies or, you know, sexual or intimate acts, and then they pick up a romance book and they're like, this does not reflect my body. Is this just mm-hmm. a me thing? And so I, I didn't even think about that. But what you said is accurate, because if this is a part of like giving you formative information of like, oh, and this a lot of it? people do. A lot of people do learn. They cite romance novels as number either exposing them to things that they thought they weren't interested in sexually or uh, giving them relationship dynamics that they can say, oh, no, hell no to, or, oh, yes, I do like this. So I'm not saying that you should be <laughs> using romance novels as like a textbook. This is not a place to go to learn things. It's a place to go to uh, get interest in, interested in things, to be exposed to things that right. you probably wouldn't get from any other books. Because it, it primarily de- deals with interpersonal relationships. And it's not just, you know, romantic relationships. If it's a good romance, the the, her- the heroine has friends, family, you know, a community that they interact with. So I think of out of all the genres, it gives you a, big, a, a better idea of how it is to um, exist in a diverse community if you're writing a diverse romance. All of that I love because to me, it's just, it's another... It's another part of reconsidering your normal because I'm constantly telling people this and I'm like, it's not always this this work and structured thing. People mm-hmm. underestimate the programming that comes from the media that you take in that you think nothing of. Television shows, the music, yeah. the books and shifting what's considered normal there, what's talked about and how it's talked about and you know, the dynamics that are showing up. I think that's a huge part of people being able to understand that, again, there's a, a whole lot of realities that exist out of outside of your own. And there's a whole lot of additional nuance and context that you're missing if your only frame of reference looks like looks, lives and loves like you. That's it. exactly exactly. So <laughs> as we start to to wind it down, um, if you were to share one action that you would suggest that the listeners take in order to create change after they listen to our conversation, what do you think that you would prompt them to go do? Um, Well, number one, be more aware of what you're consuming media wise, Um, uh, television, 
books especially like i don't think that a lot of us if you're an avid reader you don't realize until someone points it out to you is like you know you ain't reading enough nothing but stuff by white people you don't think that like you can say that to a woman who's like oh look at all these books that you're reading that are by men maybe you should read some women and they'll be like oh yeah you're right but if you you point the same thing out about race they're like well I, you know, I just read what I think is interesting. It was like, you're reading what you're fed. It was like these Mm -hmm. algorithms on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble. And when you go into a bookstore, these things are feeding you what they think you're interested in because you're white. That's why you're getting this, this information. So you have to make a conscious effort to step outside of the norm and then the algorithm will feed you something different. So you have to make a conscious effort to do that. That's one. Number two, whenever you're reading and you start to see descriptions of people or not even just black people or any other person of color, white people too, pay attention to how um, people are being fetishized or othered in books and try to do the exact opposite in real life. (laughs) Please. (laughs) The exact opposite in real life. Like I just, I I want people to stop coming up to me and saying, girl, I'm almost as black as you because they got a tan. Stop doing that. Wait, no. I mean, growing up in New Jersey, you know, listen, tanning is a whole hobby there. And that happened so often growing up and still does. It was like, oh, I went on vacation. Look, I'm almost as black as you, ma'am. No, you're not. So like stuff like that, just, you know, things that you think are cute and funny. They're really not. Mm -mm. They're really not. Be more aware of the language you use to describe people, how you interact with people, especially when it comes to um, how they look. And that's anyone, fat people, skinny people, brown people, just be more aware, (laughs) you know? And, and I'm not saying that, I don't want this to be preachy, like, you know, you know, just stop, stop being, you know, yourself because everybody was like, oh, well, it just seems like an exercise. It's like, I don't know what, how do I, if I see a trans person, how do I address them? You can just say, hey, what's your name? I was going to say their name. <laughs> it's like, you, like if you walk up to them and you're not sure what their, their pronouns are, I'm like, hey, what's your name? Get their name. Right. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> like, this like. It's it's not that hard. It's oh, not that hard. Them. People make it, yeah, they, they overthink it. They make it harder than it needs to be. You don't need to be calling me a black African-American colored Negro. I'm good with black. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Facts. I, I can only laugh because I'm like, oh, it's funny because it's true. I, I used, no, and the acronym is BACON. So <laughs> it's oh, like, God. you don't need to be calling me bacon. I'm not a black African-American colored Negro. I'm just a black person. It's fine. You're not going to get swung on for that. Right. Um, you know, just keep it simple and be, you know, kind and open and honest and stop trying to be uh, down. Don't do that. You know? No. no, I agree. So for those that are interested in reading more of your filthy fiction, because per- personally, and I read your books. I'm like, oof. Child, I, oof. I read my books and I'm like, oof, who wrote this? Oof, I like it though. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> you know what's different is hearing it in audio. I Like whenever yeah. I, when I heard that audio book, I was like, ooh, who let you write this? See? 
And so this is this is exactly why you need to tell them where they can go read it, where they can go listen to it, and tell them about the Word Makers Writing Community. Um, well, you can find everything you need to know about my books and uh, the different formats that they're sold in at TashaOHarrison.com. Um, everything is on there, including um, links to Word Makers. Word Makers is my writing community, which is mostly romance right now. We're trying to get some uh, science fiction people up in there. We got a few. Mm. Um and it's closed right now to uh, new members, but we'll be opening up in January with another 20K in five days writing challenge. Very, Don't have the dates nice. yet. But yeah, so we're about 250 some people strong now. Sweet. It's a, it's a thing. I love it. Love it. <laughs> you know, I love having conversations with you anyway, but I thank you for coming and having it here on the podcast. Everything will be in the show notes for everybody to find you. And as always, for sharing your context, your big old brain that I love, and all your <laughs> thoughts and your good words. Thank you, Thank Tasha. You, Thank, Thank you, you friend. <laughs> Every time I get to have Tasha on, I love being able to have this open conversation because number one, as you can tell, we're actually friends. And so being able to hear this conversation being had by two people that are simply having this conversation being able to be a fly on the wall with that, there's so much to be gained. And it really is an opportunity for you to dig deeper and to question, what have I considered to be normal? What can I reconsider? What have I not considered at all? And being able to figure out maybe what's next. And so I think we gave you a lot of things to think about. Tasha gave you some takeaways. And more than anything, consider what we gave you, share it with a friend, and let's continue all figuring out our ways that we can be the change that we want to see. So, you know, I love you being able to witness these conversations and to normalize challenging things so that they are a part of everyday exchanges, because this is how we all combine and we continue dropping the veil on any and all of our challenging thoughts, feelings, and actions. So thank you. And until next time. Keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity and what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?